Uh, so how many more large groups do you guys have left? One more large group. All right. So what was on my heart for tonight was to preach the very basics. That sounds boring, but this is, this is crucial for your life because this is what changed my life uh, and made me into the man that I am today. So if you're taking notes, and I really want to encourage you to take notes today, the title of today's uh, word is The Very Basics. The Very Basics. The Very Basics. Now I want you guys to open your Bibles to Psalm 34. Man, this is awesome. So many people. Praise God. Psalm 34, 8. This is a verse I want you guys to memorize and apply to your life. It's a crucial verse. Psalm 34, 8. I'll read it for you. It says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see the Lord is good. Now, if you are a believer in God, you believe that this is the truth. This is the word of God. Okay, that is infallible. It is the scripture, the holy word of God. So what is spoken in here, if there are promises, they are yes and amen in Christ. So if it says taste and see that the Lord is good, that means if you actually ask and say, God, I want to taste and see that you are good, that he will reveal his goodness to you, that you will begin to taste him and experience him in ways that you had never imagined before. Now, to tell you guys a bit more about myself, uh, I accepted Christ, uh, I believe, when I was about 16 I was raised in a Christian family, even went to a Christian private school up through eighth grade, but I didn't know God relationally. And it wasn't until I was at a a Christian camp and we were singing a worship song one of the nights of the week and I heard God's voice for the first time. And it was very, very simple. We're just worshiping and and, uh, I was standing there and I heard his voice and he said very softly, John Michael, I love you. It was very soft. It was very simple. But in that moment, a few memories just flashed before my mind. And they were past memories of people showing me love. And it wasn't even the people you would have expected. It was like teachers or or just not even close friends. But people showing me love. And in those memories, I actually saw God behind those people. And that was when 1 John 4.19 became real to me. We love because God first loved us. And I was realizing that all my life, God had been showing his love to me. It wasn't just at the cross 2,000 years ago. But it was all through my life because any love that we have is from the Lord. So every good and perfect gift, it comes from him. So even if a non-Christian is showing love, it's by God's grace. So God is orchestrating that good thing. You see, if God lifted his presence, we'd all be wicked. We'd all be completely evil. But because of God's grace here on earth, he can use anyone to show love. And and God just became real to me in that moment. And I remember I, I wept for the first time. Uh, just being touched by the Lord, and, and I committed my life to God. And uh, I, what I began doing was I began to read the Bible and to pray every night. And uh, right before I go to sleep, I would open up the Bible and I'd read one chapter, and then I'd pray for a few people, and I would go to sleep. And I will tell you, out of my high school years, about three years of doing that, I got zero out of my quiet time with God. Just being honest with you guys. I didn't understand anything. And I was reading the, the easy books like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I remember at one point I tried the, the prophets. And I was like, I wonder what like, Habakkuk or whatever this guy is is about. And I tried reading it. And I was just like, Oof, way over my head. 
All right. And, and I just was not growing. And I got into college and I went to Virginia Tech and I kept with my little habits because that's what I've been trained to do. You have your QT and I would do it right before I go to sleep, which is the worst time you want to do it. Uh, I always like to use the marriage analogy. Uh, the worst time to speak to your spouse is when you're about to fall asleep in bed. Okay. Speaking in bed's okay if you're wide awake, but I know most of you when, you know, it's like really late at night, that's probably the last time you want to have intimacy, like in terms of talk. Let's ignore each other all day, and then right before I fall asleep, let's, let's try and talk and have quality conversation. And no wonder I wasn't getting anything out of the work. And the other thing was I hadn't been taught the basics for having a quiet time. I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to do, and I was getting zero out of it. So even during my first semester in college, I, I barely grew with the Lord. I actually got sick during that first semester. I had to drop it. I, I was... There's a lot of stuff went on. Uh, I had to go back home for that semester. But that was when I started to hear Christian music. And something started to stir in my heart. Christian music in the 90s was horrible. Uh, I, I don't recommend almost any of it. Uh, but around 2000, there was a group called Lifehouse. I loved my rock music. And uh, I was listening. I was like, this almost sounds like it's to God. And then I found out that some of the band members were Christian. And some of the songs were actually Christian songs. Something started to stir within me. And I went back to Virginia Tech for my second semester, and I was like, all right, I want to grow. I want to grow. And I put a goal in my heart. I said, all right, if I'm really going to grow with the Lord, then this semester attending a college fellowship like this, I'm just going to get fed. All right, I'm a first year. Just, I'm just going to get fed. But during my second year, I want to step up a little. Maybe I'll lead a small Bible study. Okay, maybe I'll be asked to, to help step up in a small way. And then during my third year, if I'm really growing like I'm genuinely growing, then I want to be overseeing maybe like a, a house church, a home group. Okay. I, the, the fellowship that I went to, it was like, you know, you had this and then you had maybe, I guess you call them familias here, but home groups were actually like three familias in one. And then they would split up into the familia after an hour. They would all meet together as one big group and then they split up. So it's like, I want to lead that larger group. And then by my fourth year, if I'm genuinely growing with the Lord, then I should be president of the fellowship. I should be one of the leaders. Otherwise, what am I doing? I'm just kind of like going through, you know, the fellowship. And so I had that in my heart. God, I really want to grow with you. And I prayed like this verse right here, Psalm 34, 8, taste and see the Lord is good. I said, God, I genuinely want to taste and see you're good. And I'm starting to taste it through the worship music, but I'm not tasting it in here at all. This is just dry bread to me. And my prayer time is, is boring. I do not look forward to my prayer time. That's why I put it off right before I go to sleep. And I try and make it as quick as possible. And so I started to attend the fellowship, and uh, I attended this kind of spiritual growth class that the fellowship had, and I learned some really powerful things. And I want you guys to take notes on this, because this is what changed my life, from being a very weak believer into the man that I am today. Uh, so we're going to start with the Lord's Prayer. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Let's learn how to pray. Learn how to pray. Matthew 6. So Matthew 6, verse uh, 9 through 13. This is what Jesus says. I'm reading from the ESV. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm going to give you the six P's to prayer. 
Alright, this is just a model of prayer, but this really helped me grow in my prayer life. The first P for prayer is praise. Your prayer time should begin with praise. Psalm 104 is the easy verse to memorize because it's Chunsa. Chunsa means angel in Korean. 104, it says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving on my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. You see, if you want to get into the presence of God, you don't just come to him and be like, oh God, I need help with this exam. Uh, I really you know, want to date this guy. I pray that you open up his heart. Uh, God, I pray that you be with my family. God, I, I pray this and that and this and that and this. And that. What relationship do you have with God? Especially if you're going to God with fear. Oh God, I really need your help right now. I'm really stressed out. I just don't want to go. Who are you talking to? All right, if, if I had a son and he came up to me and he's like, Oh dad, please, I really need your help right now. If you could just give me a few dollars, I need this. And he was talking to me like that. I would feel ashamed as a father. Like, what have I done to my son? What's wrong with him? Doesn't he know who he is? All right, before me. But sadly, so many of us get in those bad habits of prayer because we're never taught how to pray. And so we're just taught prayer is intercession. Intercession is begging God. So I'm just going to beg God for different things. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is relationally connecting with the Lord. And if you really want to relationally connect with God, you've got to see him for who he is. All right. And when you declare God, holy is your name. Your name is set apart. There is none like you. I exalt you. You are my father. You are my king. You are my savior, my protector, my shepherd, my friend. You are my help. Guess how you're going to pray with a lot more confidence, with a lot more intimacy. Okay. It says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. The gates were of the tabernacle. All right, Psalm 104 is talking about the tabernacle. That's the presence of God. You want to go into the presence of God, you start with thanksgiving. You start remembering who God is. I will, re- I will enter your gates with thanksgiving on my heart. I will enter your courts with praise. That's why typically during praise sets, they start with songs that are really like jumpy. You know, they're on the gym bay, like banging it. You know, like, come on, guys, let's sing, let's clap. And then later in the worship set, suddenly you're in like, you're worthy of it all. And you're in this like deep, deep worshipful stance. The reason for that is you got to start with praise. You got to start recognizing God for who he is. And as you do that and you walk in, suddenly you encounter his presence and you fall down and God, you are worthy. That's intimacy. That's heart to heart. That's your prayers being answered. Praise is critical. Anytime I go to God in prayer, I, I just start with praise. It's not a religious thing. It's wisdom. Because for me, I got to raise, all right, you know, I'm trying to raise $120,000 for our scholarship program. And, you know, I, sometimes it stresses me out. And I'm meeting with some important people, and, and I, get, I, get, I get anxious about it. And I'm tempted to just go to God and just start laying it out. God, I need your help. God, I'm worried about this. God, God, God. And I realize my heart is not in that right place. I got to praise Him. God, I thank you that last year you provided the 60 grand that we needed. And God, you're calling me to a higher place. You're calling us to take care of more orphans. And this is your work for you are a father to the orphans. You are faithful. And suddenly, I don't even need to pray. It's like, oh wait, God, you're in control. All right, no more prayer time. I'm done. That's what happens when you praise. Praise is critical. The second part is just as critical. It says in here, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The second P for the Lord's prayer is purpose. What's the purpose to your life? What are you living for? What are you living for? And you'll often find out by a person's prayer life what they really are living for. Because if they go to God like this, God, 
I pray that you help me get into this college or you help me get into this grad school. And, and God, I pray that, you know, my parents will be proud of me. And, and I pray that, you know, you'll do this and do that. Their purpose is very self-centered. All right, I'm just being honest. They're worried about their own goals, their own family, their own things, their own like little agenda. But our purpose as human beings here on earth, if you read the word of God, it is for God's glory. We were created for his glory. We were created to reveal him to this world. And if you really get into God's heart, you'll start to have different conflicts like like I've gone through where I'm living at an orphanage and I'm finding out their pasts of abuse and neglect. And how could a mother abandon a four-year-old? How could they do this to their kid? How could they say in front of the kid, I don't even want you? How could they do that to such a little child? And if God's a father to the fatherless, if he's a defender of widows, if he sets the lonely in families, then why are there so many lonely in this world today? Why is there so much pain and so much suffering? And if you really get into God's heart, you'll have that conflict. And many of the prophets had this same conflict with God. And they brought it up to him. And God's answer to us is, I have shown you the greatest act of love that you could have ever asked for by sending Jesus on the cross. And now I've given you my spirit. And he has filled you up and the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you because the Lord has anointed you to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for darkness for the prisoners. He's given you his spirit so that you will be his hands and feet. Your purpose in life is not for your own kingdom. It's your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The purpose for your life is revealing God here on earth. Whether you're a teacher or a nurse or a lawyer or an engineer or an orphanage worker, I don't care who you are or what you're doing. Your purpose is to reveal him here on earth. And it's as you walk with him and as you make that your confession, your kingdom come, your will be done. Guess what? God's going to start opening doors for you. Why? Because you're on his path now. You're no longer saying, God, please send me this grad school and God, please help me do this. And please, please just open the doors that I want to be open so I can live my life the way I want to live it. No. Now you're saying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. God, I want to go your way. I pray you guide me. I'm feeling like it's grad school and I'm praying you open this door. But God, I pray you show me your way. When your heart is right with God, why would he say no to you? If your heart is all in for his kingdom, why would he ever say no? Of course he wants to open doors for you if your heart is right. But if your heart is on your own agenda and it's my kingdom come, my glory be revealed. I want my fame. I want I want my answers to life. I want to live life my way. God can't bless that. He can't. He loves you, but he knows if he gives you what you want, you're going to waste your life. You got to lay it on the altar. You got to lay it all on the altar. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. I've tested the Lord on this my whole life. And, and I, I don't know if I'm going to have enough time, but I, I hope to share my testimony how God led me here to Korea. But I've laid down everything, guys. I've laid everything down for him. And I am the happiest I've ever been in my life. And I continue to grow in joy day after day. If you had asked me when I was 19, do you want to be a missionary? I would have laughed in your face. If you had asked me when I was 22, do you want to go to Korea? I would have laughed in your face. No, I've been to Korea. I don't like Korea. That's what I would have told you. If you had asked me, do you want to minister to orphans? I would have said, no, I don't like kids. Honestly, I never liked kids and God sent me to an orphanage in Korea. 
But I say, God, I will obey you. God, I'll go your way. And God has changed my heart. He has given me his heart. One of the words, the statements that I hate to hear from Christians is, I don't have a heart for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have a heart for, for, for children, but I don't have a heart for old people. Are you a Christian? Do you know God? God is love. Okay, God is not, oh, today my heart is for the men in the house. But women, just you guys can leave. No. His heart is for all. And it's as we experience His heart that suddenly our hearts open for so much more. And we realize that where we had boxed ourselves in and saying, no, this is just what God has called me to and, and I, you know, I can't love anyone else. You know, I can't do that. No, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. His love is powerful. And I've found that as I've delighted in Him, there's been things that I did not want to do. But as I've obeyed Him, I have not regretted one bit. You know, Moses did not want the calling on his life. All of us, we want our own calling, right? I want to be a K-pop star. You know, I, I, I want to I be a famous director. I want to be a famous musician. I want to be this. I want to be that. We have our own calling that we want. And you know what Moses wanted? He wanted to be by himself in the desert. He just, he, he, you know, he had fled Egypt because he had murdered someone. He knew that, you know, he could face death. He just wanted to hide away with his wife. Just live a quiet life. And God showed up and said, no, I've called you to lead out a mighty nation, to lead out my people. And he said, no, give it to someone else. Jonah as well. Jonah didn't want his calling. Jonah would rather get shipwrecked than obey God's calling. But you know what? When they obeyed, God did mighty wonders. And you think Moses regretted seeing the Lord face to face after he obeyed and, and took the Israelites out? Do you think Moses regretted being the one person that God really called friend and revealed his glory to? I don't think he regretted it one bit. This is why we got to lay it on the altar, guys. And why we got to trust that this word is truth. And if it says, delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart, that he will be faithful. He will give you the true desires of your heart. You don't have to fear laying it down. Oh, God's going to destroy it and send me to Mozambique. You, you, don't, you don't have to fear anything. He loves you. He loves you. Purpose. Purpose. This is what changed my life, guys. This is what brought life to me because I started to realize that God had a specific purpose for me in revealing his kingdom. Next, this is the one that people like the most. It says, give us this day our daily bread. That's provision. God is, he wants to provide for you. And I think this is what we all learn first when we learn about prayers. Just asking for what we want. But God does want to hear it. God does want to hear your desires. God does want to provide for you. He wants to take care of you. And so I would always start my prayer time first with praise, just praising God. I would, I would recite some different psalms or sing a song or, or just remember some different things that God had done for me. And then I would just declare my purpose. And it wasn't long. I would just say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. God, I pray you reveal your glory through me. And then I would go in and I, I would have a list of just different things I was praying for for myself. And oftentimes it was, God, give me more love. Because I'm really having trouble loving some of the people in my fellowship. You know, God, give me more joy because I'm really having trouble during this semester. God, I pray that you stir in my heart and that you give me guidance for next summer because I don't know what I'm doing and I want to go your way. And I would begin to pray those different things. Provision is important, guys. You need to be praying for yourself as well. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Taste and see the Lord is good. You really want to taste and see the Lord is good? Ask. And say, God, I want to taste and see that you are good. So many people are under an apple tree and they're sitting there waiting for God to bless them. 
They're like, where are my apples? I'm seeing that person get prayed for. I'm seeing that person get blessed. I'm seeing that person crying during worship. But nothing's happened to me. And they're just sitting under the apple tree when the apple's dangling right over their head. And all they got to do is ask. And they get it. Okay, if you guys are not asking, if you are not, not verbally talking to God, God, I want to experience you. God, I want to taste and see that you're good. Then you're not going to get many answers. Maybe now and then an apple will just randomly fall and hit you on the head. But man, if you would just pray, all these apples are there for you. You got to trust that God is good. That starts with praise. And then when your purpose is right with him, oh gosh, as you pray, he's going to provide for you more than you would ever imagine. Next on here, it says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Next part of the Lord's prayer is pardon. Pardon. It is so important for us to forgive others and to seek God's forgiveness. And so what I would do during my prayer time is first I would praise, then I would share you know, my purpose, and then I would ask God for different personal things for me. And then I would take a moment and I would just sit at the foot of my bed or, or wherever I was just in silence and I would listen and ask God to release conviction or just to speak to me. And if there was something that I had done that I needed to repent of, I would pray, God, I, I repent of, of you know, lashing out at that person, God. I pray that you forgive me. Or if someone had wronged me, And I would feel my heart. I would say, God, I just forgive that person for what they did. I pray you bless them and you reveal yourself to them. This is so important. Pardon. I will tell you guys, another one of the hats I wear is healing deliverance uh, coordinator for New Philadelphia Church. I've done that for many years. And I've I've had the grace to lead so many people out of bondage. And one of the greatest areas of bondage is unforgiveness. Just last night, I was talking to one of my orphanage kids. And uh, for him, he came to the orphanage when he was in fourth grade. And when he first came to the home... Uh, he had come from another center. He had lived at some center for three years. He had been abandoned in kindergarten. Uh, still knows his, his grandmother, but has no idea of his parents. He's kind of repressed any memories. Can't remember them at all. When he first came to the home, anytime anger would happen, he had no uh, self-control. Uh, he couldn't chama. He couldn't, like, hold on. And so he would just curse. He would just lash out, go wild. All right? And this is common for a lot of the kids in the orphanage. And as he's been to the home over the years... Because he's gotten all that love, you know, we love because God first loved us. As he's received so much love, there's been more grace on him to where, you know, he'd get angry and upset and he could kind of hold out for at least a few seconds before, you know, going nuts. He's a really sweet kid, really good kid. But I found out over this past weekend, he had lashed out the same boy twice, once on Saturday and once on Sunday, just, just beating him. Sixth grader. And now this boy, Pyongyang, I'm talking about, is in ninth grade. And I love Bjorn. He's, he's uh, in my basketball, like my little basketball group that I teach every Tuesday. Sweetest kid. I just know he's got these scars. And I know one of those deepest scars in him, just like all these other kids in the orphanage, it's unforgiveness. So last night I had to meet with him and talk to him out and, you know, and talk about his past and explain to him how when you know, you're wounded, like you take a knife and you wound somebody, all right, if, if they just take the knife out and bandage it up and pretend it's okay... It might like look okay on the outside, but if you don't treat a wound, it gets really bad on the inside. Okay, it just begins to destroy you from within. And this is why I see for so many kids of the orphanage is because of the wounds from their family, even wounds that they got when they were just three years old or four years old, because there's never been any forgiveness, there's never been any recognition of God's grace, poison, it's poison inside them and it's eating away. And I told him how he needed to forgive uh, his family. And one of the reasons why he can't control himself is, is that anger within him from that unforgiveness. And, and the best analogy that I could show him that the kids really understand is I'm speaking in my broken Korean. And I'm like, you know, God, 
I pray he's understanding what I'm saying. But uh, I said, you know, when you don't forgive, you're like this. You know, you, you go and you see a kid that's angry. What are they doing? Their, their fists are clenched. Okay? That's unforgiveness. But when you forgive, you let go. All right, look at the difference in my hand. Can you see the stress, the bitterness, the anxiety, the hate, the fear? Can you see the calm, the peace, and the grace? That's what forgiveness is. This is why we, we want to seek God every day. Search me, O oh God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wickedness within me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's God's heart for you. God wants you to be like this. He wants you to live in his peace. This is why we seek him daily. This is why we don't do it week to week or month to month. Because you do it that way, you're going to find yourself starting to clench up. You're going to find certain things starting to overcome you. We got to seek him daily. Pardon. God, forgive me my sins. And God, also help me forgive others. Give me the grace to forgive others. The next P, uh, it's attached to forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. But it's also found in, uh, I believe it's Ephesians 6.18. It's people. People. You've got to intercede for people. Let me read Ephesians 6.18 to you guys. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication or making intercession, making prayer for all the saints. That's a command by Paul. That's a command by God. We need to be praying for one another. People. All right, and what I would do in my journal is I would just write down people's names that, I was, that were all my heart. And when I was a freshman, there weren't that many people because I'd only experienced so much of God's love. All right, and you know, my scope just wasn't that big. So it was just kind of like my best friend, my mom, my dad, you know, my roommate, and maybe like two other people. And I'd pray for them. And then as the semester would go by and as I would pray for them, sometimes God would give me a specific word for them to pray. Like, God, I pray for my roommate to really experience your heart or your fire or just something specific. And I would write it down and I would make that a continual prayer for that person. And you know what happened was after the first semester, God's love grew within me. And when I you know, started a new entry the next semester, I had more people to write down. It was just there were more people in my heart. There were more people that I cared for. Remember that whole, I don't have a heart for that. I don't have a heart for that. That's kind of like where I was as a freshman. But as I was growing with God, I was starting to notice beyond my little inner circle. There were more people that were on my heart to pray for that I had compassion for. So I'd write them down. And guess what happened? Naturally, my prayer time started to grow. And it wasn't painful because it was love. It wasn't, oh gosh, I've got to pray for, for Dion again. You know, here we go. This is so boring. No, it was like, I really care for this guy. So when I pray for him, my heart is being moved and I'm being blessed. It's not a chore. It's rather a blessing. All right, prayer should not be a chore. And so if you're like, oh, I've got to pray an hour a day because that's what the revivalist does. All right, that's a lie. You're going to be in torture. If I had to pray an hour a day when I was a freshman, I would have been miserable. Now, I did that every now and then as a challenge. There was a prayer room at Virginia Tech. And uh, I, would, I would, you know, you had to choose it by an hour. And I would go there just by myself. And to this, the prayer room was like a little tiny room. It wasn't like IHOP or anything like that. Just a little room where people would go one at a time to pray. And uh, I would go in there and I would pray for an hour. And it was excruciating. It was like, I, I think I prayed for everyone in the world. Like, what do I do now? You know, and, and, and uh, it was tough, but God was strengthening me. God, God, was, God was stretching me out. 
And uh, before we were praying for, or we were praising, we were doing the Shekinah glory song. You know, God, let your glory fall, glory fall. Glory in the Hebrew is kabad, and that means weight. It's the weight of God's presence. All right, when God comes in a room, there is like a heaviness that can fall. And this is why, you know, when people come up, fire, what happens? A lot of them will fall back, okay? Because suddenly there's a weight. Just try and lift your hands and hold up a really heavy box for a long time. Guess what's going to happen to your arms? It's going to start to shake because of the weight of that box. It's natural. All right, the same thing when God's glory fills a place and your hands are up or you're just in there and you're sensitive, you might start to shake a little bit. Okay, his presence is coming on and your physical body can only handle so much. You see, even Jesus, when he was betrayed in the book of John, it says that they came up to him and they said, are you Jesus? And he said, I am. And I am means Yahweh. It's a revelation of God. He basically in that moment revealed himself. He revealed his glory to these these uh, soldiers and these different people come to arrest him. And the scripture says they fell backwards. All of them fell backwards. Can you imagine? I am. Everybody just falls backwards. Like, what do we do? You know, he doesn't need an army. He just speaks and we all fall back. That's the power of God. When God shows up, his glory is not something that you can exactly handle. But you know what? The more you pray and the more you read the word, the more spiritually jacked you get. All right, I'm not that jacked of a person in the physical and I remember in college, part of the reason why I got sick was because I was working out too much. And um, I was trying to impress the ladies. I was, I was not as mature then. And uh, I actually had an injury, uh, weightlifting. And that was what I had to drop the semester for. And uh, I came back and, and got it put on my heart that I did need to exercise to, to you know, take care of my health. But God kind of gave me the option. You see all those guys playing basketball all the time. You could be like them and get really good at basketball. Or you could spend time with me. And get really strong spiritually. You know, you could spend a ton of time in the gym if you want. Or you could spend more time with me. You could get physically jacked. Or you could get spiritually jacked. And I'll be honest. I, it was that taste and see the Lord is good. I said, God, I want to taste you more. God, I want to grow spiritually. I want to get spiritually strong. I want to get spiritually fit so that I can take on more of the glory. So that when God's glory falls in the room, I'm not just like laid out and just worthless. But I can minister and pray for people because this is natural to me. I'm in the zone. I'm used to this. All right. If we were all to run a marathon right now, only those that train from a marathon would be able to finish it. The rest of us would be a mess, right? Same way in your spiritual walk. If you want to be able to minister to people, if you want to be strong in his presence, you got to get spiritually fit. You got to pray. And the more you pray, naturally, it's going to grow because it's love. It's his presence. So I went from praying about 10 minutes, 5 to 10 minutes my freshman year. Second, second year, I was praying about 20, uh, 20 minutes. The, the second semester was about 30 minutes. During my third year, I was praying about 40, 45 minutes during my first semester. And then I, I had to take another semester off for an engineering job, um, an internship. And I worked there for six months, and I prayed about an hour a day then. And then when I came back to the college campus for my fourth year, uh, I was praying about an hour and a half. By the time I graduated, I was praying about two to two and a half hours a day. And I was loving it. Okay, I was enjoying his presence. Like I said, if you had made me pray for an hour my freshman year, I would have been a mess. And I tried. And I really struggled. 
But you know, my spiritual muscles got stronger and stronger. My relationship with the Lord got deeper and deeper. I loved his presence to the point during my last year, I would weep in prayer usually two or three times a week. I don't cry. Okay, I'm not really a crier, but during that season of life, especially God was breaking my heart for what his heart broke for. God was preparing my heart for the nations. God was revealing to me that there was so much more than just on the surface to life. And I would read books on on missionaries or I, I would read books about what God had done or just I'd be reading the Bible that I had not gotten anything out of for so many years. And suddenly I was getting struck to the heart by his word. It was hitting me to the core. And I was like, I don't even need a retreat. I don't even need to go to these things. In fact, what I realized was I'm now in a place where when I go to these retreats, I'm going to minister. I'm going to love on people because God is meeting me where I'm at. I'm in that place. This is what God will do for each and every one of you. Guys, I'm not some super Christian. I'm not. Okay, I was, I was a knucklehead in high school, obsessed with girls. All right. And, and then, you know, I, I, I had to drop that semester in college because I was obsessed with weightlifting and it did me a whole lot of good. Right. And, and then I gradually started to grow with the Lord, but I kept seeking him taste and see the Lord is good. And every little bit more of that taste, I wanted more. What does a baby start with? Starts with milk. Doesn't have an appetite for anything else. It's just milk, 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 milk. But as the baby matures, then it gets baby food. A little gook, all right? You know, here's some mashed up cucumbers. I don't know what it is. They, they, they eat that stuff and they're okay. But as you mature in life, you begin to be able to take in the greater things. Suddenly you have an appreciation for a steak. You have an appreciation for nice wine. Okay, a kid could take really nice, you know, thousand dollar wine and then just cheap, cheap wine that you can get just from Emart or whatever and taste them both and they would taste both the same. But a person that really matures in their appetite would be able to tell the difference and say, I will spend the thousands of dollars for this wine. It's the same in our relationship with God. You can't beat yourself up that you're just on the milk right now, that you're just praying for a few minutes every day and you're just reading the word for a few minutes. You go in the grace that you have right now, but you trust that as you ask, remember that apple, as you ask, God, I want more of you. God, I want to experience you more. I want to taste and see that you are good. He's going to satisfy you. He's going to bless you and your appetite is going to mature. Suddenly books in this Bible that you had no interest in before are going to start speaking to you. God's going to start revealing himself to you in deeper and deeper ways. Oh man, I'm still on prayer. Okay. Uh, (laughs) All right. Last P for prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one is protection. Protection. So six P's to the Lord's prayer. Praise, purpose, provision, pardon, people, and then protection. And that's just recognizing that God is in control. All right, that God is good. God, I'm looking to you. I'm not looking to the devil. God, you lead me. All right, and if something something starts to unnerve me, I'm not going to start rebuking the devil and focusing on the devil and getting all upset at the devil. I'm going to look at you, God. And I'm going to trust you're leading me. You're guiding me. And as I worship you, you're just going to remove all the stuff around me. Uh, there's an account of, of some kids that uh, just got wrapped up in the Holy Spirit in China. And one of them saw a vision of an angel coming up from the earth up to heaven. And as he was going up, a bunch of demons began to attack the angel. And basically, this little orphan kid is seeing a spiritual battle up in the heavenlies. 
And the interesting thing was, was the angel wasn't like pulling out a sword and like, you know, ninja fighting these different demons. As the demons were attacking the angel, the angel just focused on the Lord and was just worshiping. And then even greater demons came in trying to attack and hinder this messenger from God, this angel. But the angel continued to worship, continued to focus on God. And as the angel did that, all right, suddenly it broke free. It all broke free. This is the power of praise. This is the power of looking to God. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We don't look at the devil and try and combat him with our own fists. We look at God and look at his big rod. We're okay. No worries. They get near me, God's going to smack them with that rod. All right, he's, he's going to beat that wolf and beat that lion away. That's protection. The very basics. Uh, man, I spoke a lot, I guess, about prayer. Uh, I want to speak on the word real quick. Five fingers of the word. If you have a sheet of paper, I want you to draw a hand on it. If your like, smartphone is really cool and you can draw on it, I want you to draw a hand on it. If your smartphone is not so cool, uh, I just want you to write down the five fingers of the word. Five fingers of the word. Man, this really helped me as well. First finger is the pinky. Pinky finger represents hearing. Hearing. Romans 10, it says, Faith comes from hearing the word of God. This is the beginners. This is the chobo. Okay, this is you guys right now. You are hearing the word of God. And that's good. That's where it starts. But that's not where it's supposed to remain. That's the beginning. Next is reading. Now you're opening up your Bible for yourself and you're actually looking in it and you're starting to read it for yourself. And that's where I was in high school, but I was still getting zero out of it. The next, your middle finger is meditating. This is crucial. This is a big step in maturity is when you're actually meditating on the word. Now, this isn't getting in a Buddhist pose and chanting the word for 20 minutes. Meditating is just thinking about it. It's just, okay, God, I read Genesis 1, or I read John 12 today. What are you speaking to me? I just read through it, and I got nothing. But, God, I'm going to look for something specific here. And uh, when I read the Word, guys, I underline, I star, I put musical notes next to verses that, that remind me of a worship song. I put a cross next to words that, uh, verses that speak on the cross. This helps me meditate. I'm not just reading it like a textbook. That's how I used to read it, and I got nothing out of it. But when I started to read it like the word of God and ask God to speak to me, I began to get deep things out of it. Meditation. Index finger. Memorization. I know you guys love that one. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. We are called to write his word upon our hearts that we might truly know him. You guys want to see someone with authority? Watch someone minister who knows the word of God and can speak it out. I hope you guys have recognized even the authority that, that I possess as a Christian now that I can speak out the word of God. I couldn't do that when I was in college. I didn't know. I didn't have any verses memorized. I didn't even have John 3.16 memorized. Okay. I, maybe you guys don't have that one either, but uh, I didn't know anything. All right. So don't be like, oh man, I'll never get there. Yes, you will. You just got to grow. Start by hearing, then by reading, then by meditating, then by memorizing. And the last and the most important is applying applying. If you don't apply it, it's worthless. You're just like a Pharisee. Now, quick activity for you guys. Once you, those who have a Bible, even a smartphone, 
I want you to hold that in your hand. Hold it in your hand, even your smartphone. This works even for the smartphone. Hold it in your hand. This is your grip on the word. All right, now hold it just with your pinky. Hold it just with your pinky. Oh, oh, fell. Okay, we got it. We got it. Now the person next to you is going to be the devil. He's going to come to you and try and take the word from you. Now hold on to that word. Try, try. Go ahead, guys. Try and take the word from your neighbor. Try and take it away. Pinky mon. Just your pinky. Just your pinky. They love this. They always love this. Do you notice how weak and pathetic you were? Weak and pathetic. Okay? Even if you do it with your ring finger, you will still find you're, you're pretty weak. Okay? Trying to hold that on just like that. Now, if you hold it on with your whole hand, go ahead and do that. Whole hand. Let your neighbor, try and be Satan, take that from you. Notice the authority you possess is a lot stronger. Okay, you guys genuinely want to grow with the Lord? You genuinely want to become stronger in Him? You got to pray, God, I want to taste and see that you're good. And I want to know you more through this word. I want to tell you guys, technology, that smartphone that you guys were holding, really makes us dumb. All right, I'm going to be honest. It makes you dumb. I had all my friends' phone numbers memorized growing up, and I still remember them. My best friend from first grade, 9715646. All right? But you know what? My staff, Pastor Christian, everyone's phone number, I don't know any of them except for my wife's. And I didn't know her number for the first year of our marriage. I suddenly realized, wow, if something happens to me, I don't know anybody's number. So I memorized her number. And that's it. I don't know anybody else's number. But ironically, I remember my friend, Daniel Barry, back in fourth grade, his phone number. It's bizarre. This technology has made us pretty stupid. And so I hear many Christians who are educated at college, like yourself, saying, I can't read the word of God. I'm not good at reading. Or like, I don't understand. I, I can't get it. Did you guys know that fishermen uneducated fishermen could quote this and we're taking out mystery upon mystery from this. You know, shepherd boys, exiled orphans like Daniel knew this inside and out. Your education, your personality are not excuses for not reading the word of God. Okay. You have no excuse. If a fisherman could get this, you guys can get this. God can give you these mysteries. You just got to ask Seek and you will find. Ask it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. It's not a matter of your intellect. If it was a matter of your intellect, then the Pharisees would have been the smartest people in their day. They were intellectual, but they didn't have a relationship with God. You guys have a relationship with God. So if you say, God, speak to me today, I want to get some out of your word. You might only get some little bit of you know, baby milk, some, just a little bit of formula out of reading it, just a little tiny revelation or, oh, that verse stood out to me, but that's good. Let it speak to you. And you're going to find as you continue to read this word, it's going to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And suddenly you're going to be taking out crazy things from this Bible. It's so important. So important. Prayer and word, the very basics. The very basics. What do you need in your life physically? You need water and you need food and you need sleep. You get that every day, right? And when you don't get food, when you don't get water in one day, you're pretty miserable. 
All right. Maybe you drink water, but you don't eat food for 10 days. You're pretty miserable. Maybe you can pull a few sleepless nights, but you're pretty miserable. It's the same in our walk with God. You know, you can go without this, but spiritually you're going to get pretty puny. Okay. You can go without prayer for a certain amount of time and there is grace. I'm not trying to make you guys religious, but I'm trying to show you the importance. There is grace. There's sometimes where, you know, that, that muscle guy, he can't work out for a week. Doesn't mean suddenly he's weak and pathetic. But he knows it in his mind after a week. He's like, I got to get back in the gym. I got to get back in the gym. You know, I got to get back on the court. I got, I, got to, I got to get back out there. Because I can feel it starting to slip away. It's the same in our walk with God. Think about my wife, you know, my relationship with Sky. We can go for some time apart. This past summer, she was away for two weeks because of a friend's wedding. But it wasn't easy. We were still Skyping. We survived. But I would realize, man, you know, I don't want to do this again. Maybe one week. I feel like there's grace for one week of us being apart. But I really don't want it any longer than that. And we try and connect every day. You know, we don't have to have long conversations every day. Now and then we have those really sweet romantic moments. But other days it's just normal. And so in your personal walk with God, don't expect retreat glory every day. Okay, some days it's just going to be relationship. Just talking to the Lord. You're getting his word. Okay, you got, you got your sustenance. But then there's going to be other days as you walk with him where you're going, to get, you're going to get swept away. You're going to get romanced. You're going to get blessed. You're going to get really built up. These are the very basics. And I'm telling you guys, if you live by them, the Lord will use you for mighty, mighty deeds. He will bless you tremendously. He will change your family. He will change your community. He will open up doors for you that you never imagined possible. He will do it more than you could ever ask for or imagine. That's scripture. That's the truth. And as you know the truth, the truth will set you free. The more you know this, the more you realize God has so much more in store for you than you could ever imagine. I I know that uh, who of you are going back after this semester? Raise, Raise your hands. Okay. It's a lie that you're only going to be blessed here and that when you go back home, it's going to be hard. All right, when I was in college, my first two years, I grew a lot, but then I did that engineering internship and I was by myself living in Richmond and uh, working this engineering job. It was almost all day. I was doing a night class. I was very alone. But you know what happened was I grew with the Lord so much in that time. I grew with him so much because it's not that, oh, God's just there, but he's not here. God is everywhere. And as you seek him, he will reveal himself to you. And so I don't care if you're going back to a church that is really dry. If you're going back to a family that hates that you're a Christian. God is faithful and he will reveal himself to you more and more. And the more you lay yourself down into that fire, the more he's going to show himself to you. The more you say, God, I want to know you wherever I am, regardless of the details, regardless of what's happening. He's going to bless you. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were before King Nebuchadnezzar and the king said, bow down to this idol or you're going to be tossed into the fiery furnace. They said, no, we're going to worship our God. And even if you throw us in there and God doesn't save us, we don't care because we're living for the Lord. And as Nebuchadnezzar said, throw them in and they went into that fire. They went into that place where it seemed to the world was death. Even Nebuchadnezzar and all the people recognized Jesus was in there. Nebuchadnezzar himself said, who is that fourth man in them? Who has, who has untied their bonds? And who is with them who looks like the son of gods? 
You see, as you walk with God, I don't care whether you're going back to America or Malaysia or Australia or wherever you're from. I don't care about your family or or anything like that. As you walk with him, he's going to reveal himself to you in powerful ways. You don't need Emmaus to coddle you and take care of you. You have what you need. You have the word of God. You have the Holy Spirit within you. He will give you all your needs. He will provide for you. If you need friends, if you need someone to pray with, you ask for it. Why would God say no? No, you're alone. Just be lonely. No, he cares for you. You just got to ask and you got to pray. So I want to pray for those that are going home.